0: Once you get to Psalm 23, why don't we stand together? And uh, normally we, uh, I'll, I'll just read the passage, but this is such a well-known psalm. I think you guys can handle it if we all read it together out loud. Uh, don't do it the way you've memorized it. If you're a King Jameser or something like that, and you've got to be different and throw a thy in there or something, we ain't doing that here. Um, <laughs> But, uh, sorry, man, okay. Um, But uh, we're going to have it on the screen so we can all read uh, together the word of the Lord this morning. We don't have to read that part. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, just many of us have this scripture seared into our hearts and minds. Lord, it has been a faithful friend in many dark hours, Lord, and here we are today just spending concentrated time meditating upon this psalm of David, Lord, that we know is a word of the son of David, of Jesus, the shepherd of our souls, and Lord, there is so much that we need the shepherd to do today in our midst. All that we've read in this text, Lord, we pray we would just begin to see working out in our lives, in our community, Lord, in our hearts, in our church, in our homes, in our nation, Lord. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would minister to our hearts, and I know it's different for each person, what you would have communicated to us from this text, And so, Lord, do that all is in your agenda today, in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. This psalm is one of the most beloved passages in the whole Bible. It's a comforting passage. It is a reassuring passage. It's not new to many of you, often quoted at funerals. Often spoken at deathbeds, often read in the trenches and the foxholes during time of combat or on battlefields. And as this passage is read out and prayed out, minds are immediately taken from places of suffering anguish and torment to lush green pastures dotted with fat cotton ball sheep watched over by a strong, towering, caring shepherd. Is that anybody's testimony here today of Psalm 23? Just a comforting passage read over your life. Spurgeon in the 1800s would quote a man named Beecher saying, This psalm has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It is remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner, the broken his chains, and like Peter's angel, led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning. Not so much that he is gone as because they were left behind and could not go to. What a wonderful word regarding this psalm. James Montgomery Boyce writes, Millions of people have memorized this psalm, even those who've learned few other precious scripture portions. Ministers have used it to comfort people going through severe personal trials, suffering illness, or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last they've ever uttered in life. Just incredible. This psalm is under a picture it's under a metaphor borrowed from scenes of pastoral life the life of a shepherd in which David was familiar raised in a shepherding family dad was a shepherd grandpa was a shepherd David thought that was going to be his life's lot as a little shepherd boy among the hills of Bethlehem and so David writes of God's providential care providing refreshment, providing guidance and protection and abundance, giving us grounds for confidence that we have God's favor as his people. Now, different scholars have different ideas about what the background is for this psalm. We know it's based out of David's experience as a shepherd probably written during a time that he was going through some intense suffering and difficulty. But David uses the picture of a shepherd, and he uses the picture of a gracious host, reflecting on all the blessings and privileges that the Lord has given him. Even in the midst of dangers and suffering and conflict, God is persistent. He loves and he protects and he restores David full fellowship with him. So let's get into it, this beautiful psalm. I've been waiting for this psalm. We're going through psalms on Wednesday nights. We just did Psalm 25, and I saved this psalm. We didn't do it on a Wednesday night because I wanted to go through it with you guys. We did Psalm 19 together on a Sunday. We did Psalm 22 together on a Sunday, and we're doing Psalm 23 together. This is you guys are worth it. This is such a gem. I wanted to go through it with you, and I think the Lord has that for us today. Verse 1, we're going to start out with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is a natural metaphor for David. I love to use metaphors just uh, of, of my past and of a little bit of ranching life and cattle drives and training horses and those are times where i just feel things just coming alive for me as i'm talking about man from snowy river or something like that like here's a picture about jesus you know jim craig you know jesus is the true and better jim okay anyways <laughs> And David gets all excited about the shepherding life and he can just totally use that as a picture that just brings home the points of who God is and who God is in character and who God is for his people. It's just natural for David as David has been called the shepherd king, the shepherd king. But this was also a common picture uh, of the Middle East in ancient times. Uh, kings were often referred to as shepherds and refer to themselves as shepherds in a leadership capacity. But David says, "The Lord is my shepherd." He's the one who rules over me, who guides me, who tends me and feeds me and nourishes me. He shears me, as that is often needed in the life of a Christian. Some good pruning and trimming and shearing. He protects me. He drives away the wolves and the bears and the cougars. His as David knew well, when he would speak before Saul, the king, saying, I could go kill that giant Goliath in the power of the Lord. He says, I've taken care of wolves and I've taken care of bears that were trying to come and attack my sheep. And this guy's no different than them. David knew the picture of the wolves and the bears trying to come after those sheep. And so he's able to write and describe the protection that a shepherd could bring. He can write of a shepherd's task of driving the sheep, or rather leading the sheep toward pastureland. All throughout the scriptures, God would paint a portrait for his people, describing himself as a shepherd. As they are individually sheep, and corporately together, they are a flock. Look at Psalm seventy-eight, fifty-two through 55. It says, But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they did not fear. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies and he brought them to his holy border, this mountain which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them an inheritance by survey and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. So this picture of God over Israel, leading him out of Egypt through the Red Sea, causing the Red Sea to collapse upon the enemies and leading them to uh, to safe dwelling in the promised land. A couple other shorter Psalms, Psalms 81 says, "'Give ear, O shepherd of Israel.'" You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. And so the psalmist there praying to the shepherd of Israel. Psalm 95.7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You guys might know a song that goes along with that. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. You guys know that one? Nope. You do now. <laughs> You'll never be able to forget it. And so who does it say the shepherd is in that psalm? He is our God. That's going to come in big time in just a minute when we get to the New Testament. Who is the shepherd? He is God, Isaiah 40, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And so the picture there of the Lord Shepherd feeding his flock, gathering the lambs up in his arms, isn't this a great picture? It's okay to let yourself go there this morning, just gathering up these fluffy, cozy, precious little lambs and carrying them in his bosom and gently leading those who are young. Ezekiel 34, this is a bit of a longer passage, and I really wrestled about whether I should read this whole thing or not, and it just was powerful for me, and so this is almost like Psalm 23 on steroids, okay, so let me just read it to you. For thus says, thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he's among his scattered sheep. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they're scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. They're, they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down your feet with the residue of your pasture and to have drunk the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you've pushed with side and shoulder, butted the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I the Lord will be their God, and my servant David a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Interesting how we just read over India there, that hymn of showers of blessing raining down. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be... Safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the band of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved me. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of Gentiles any more. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. Psalm 23 on steroids. It's amazing. Now, you'll notice that in that Ezekiel passage, the Lord says, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them my servant David. And again, my servant David will be a prince among them. Who is that talking about? Is that talking about David? David had had passed away already at this point. David had been long gone at this point. This is speaking of the Messiah The son of David. Speaking of David here was synonymous of speaking of the son of David. And all prophecy is pointing that this shepherd of the souls, this great shepherd of the sheep, the one that we've read of here where it says, my God, my God, we are the sheep of your hand. This is all fulfilled in the son of David. This is all fulfilled in Jesus. Here at Calvary Chapel of Crook County, one of our missions is that we proclaim the Christ-centered word. And it is amazing how Genesis through Revelation, every hero, every redeemer, every champion, is a, it's a type of Jesus who is to come Jesus is the true and better champion. He's the true and better David, the true shepherd of the sheep. The prophecy of the coming Messiah, the coming son of David, would incorporate this shepherd picture here. Jesus would identify himself as the Good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. And you'll remember in Matthew chapter 2, we read this almost every Christmas time as a Christian people here. We read like Matthew 2, 6 where Micah 5, 2 is quoted. But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The wise men who stood before King Herod when Herod said, hey, I hear that there's another king going to be born around here. Tell me, where is he to be born that I may go and worship him also? And the wise men said, well, we know that Micah 5.2 says that it's going to be in Bethlehem, out of Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem here. There's going to be a ruler born. It's going to be the son of David. It's the Messiah. He will be born there and he will be a ruler And he will be the fulfillment of all those shepherd passages. He will shepherd my people. And then he's born. And then he's raised up in stature. And he impresses the scribes and the leaders in the temple with his knowledge of God. And he calls the temple the house of my father. And he's baptized and he's anointed for ministry this ruler, this shepherd, and as he's in his ministry, he quotes something so incredible where he says, I'm the Messiah and I'm God. And it's found in John chapter 10, verses one through 18, when Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice yeah, they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the, know the voice of strangers. Jesus uses this illustration use this illustration but they not understand the things that he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them so this is just typical, you know, he's like telling them like I'm the, you know, I'm the fulfillment. I'm going to lead and they're just like we're not following you, man. We are not following you. And he's like okay, let me break it down for you. Okay, and here's where he does it. Jesus says to them in verse 7, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not know them, do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And then he says this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. You guys, Jesus was doing much more than just giving a cute little illustration there. He was telling anyone who was listening, I am the promised Messiah. I am the hero shepherd that's been prophesied of, of old and I am God as Psalm 95 says. You are our God and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Jesus was making a definitive deity statement. And what does he say about him being the shepherd? He is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. He says a hireling, he is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling that doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And then this is beautiful, goes, our vision, I should say, as a church goes right in line with what Jesus is saying here. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is a prophecy of the good shepherd calling out the Gentiles, the non jews to salvation and that's about 99 percent of us should be rejoicing right now because i am not a jew i'm a whole bunch of other things i don't even know what and i am so thankful that the great shepherd of the sheep has called out a bunch of weird shepherd you know out of the hills and out of the you know out of those far away places and you'll have to just youtube some videos i was watching some last night and there's this one of this older shepherd man from England and he's kinda got like the English attire on, just came from Tea and Crumpets, and he goes out there and he's like looking good as a shepherd. Then he goes out there and he's like, Come on, come on, come on, you know, and and it's out of the foggy English hillsides Like all of these sheep just come running to him. And he's just like almost like Santa Claus, like giggling. My sheep are coming, you know. He's just so ha, look at him; they're coming, you know. And here they come. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd, and they will reject those that are not the voice. We know the voice of our Lord. This is not of the Lord. And praise God that He turned just a little bit of a different direction, and He pointed towards Oregon. Come on come to me. I will be your shepherd. You will be my people. Hear my voice. As Hebrew says, hear my voice. Today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. While it's still called today, come, come. Today, we have hope. Today you have hope if you hear the shepherd calling your name to come be a part of his flock. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed next week. We're not guaranteed, I'm going to go to some crazy Christian concert next month and I'm just totally going to start following them. No, today, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And do you hear him pointing towards Oregon today as he also is pointing towards India India, today if you would hear my voice. Nepal, today. Ethiopia, today if you would hear my voice. Senegal, Sudan, Kenya. Today if you would hear my voice. Come, be part of this flock that I have laid my life down for. He's the shepherd. He's the, Hebrews 13 says that he's the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter 2.25 says, says that he's the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Who's the fulfillment of all of these shepherd passages? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. Revelation 7.16 says, They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. There's a lamb who's going to be the shepherd. As John the Baptist looked up at Jesus from the river and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God who is slain, whose precious spotless blood would be shed as a sacrifice for my sins. There he is. He's the hero lamb. He's the true and better lamb who not only takes away our sins, but cleanses us from an evil conscience so that I can serve the Lord now. He is the lamb, but he's not only the lamb that was slain, he's the shepherd who lays down his life. And Revelation says there that there is a lamb who will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. That the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd was very precious to early Christians. One of the more common pictures in the Roman catacomb paintings is Jesus as a shepherd with a lamb carried across his shoulders. This is a picture from where the Roman Christians used to hide underneath Rome and they would paint pictures as they would worship Jesus. And here they are saying, here we are in terror Fearing for our lives, our brothers, our sisters are being captured and they're being fed to the lions in the Colosseum. And we are, here we are, Lord, we are just the sheep and you are the shepherd. We trust you, we know you're taking care of us. The Lord is my shepherd, probably quoting Psalm 23 so many times. The Lord is my shepherd. It's remarkable that the Lord would call himself our shepherd because in Israel and many other ancient societies, A shepherd was considered the lowest of all works. It was just the base scum job. I mean, they were typically poor. They never got showers. They were around stinky sheep. Uh, They were really these outcast, dirty, traveling people. If a family needed a shepherd, usually the youngest son would become that shepherd, just like David, who got the unpleasant assignment of watching the sheep while his older brothers went out to battle. But you know, isn't that just like the Lord, to take the place of humility, choosing to lay his life down, not only as a lamb to be slain, but as a shepherd coming down to my level? and laying his life down, the God of the universe, becoming a shepherd. As Jesus has ascended to heaven, he still continues his shepherding role through faithful, qualified men who he's appointed called pastors. He is still the chief shepherd, but he has in his sovereign design raised up men who are called pastors or the word is used interchangeably shepherds or bishops or overseers and in John 21:15 we see it beginning with Peter being appointed we see this passing on of authority and a role over into peter's life as it says in john twenty one fifteen. this is after peter had denied jesus jesus had died on the cross no doubt peter was just feeling so condemned and so such a failure i denied jesus three times he told me i'd deny him i said i wouldn't deny you i'd rather die with you and there i am denying and cursing and i'm telling you i never knew jesus and then Jesus rises from the dead. And how would you feel? I denied him and now he's risen from the dead in glory. And I'm that guy that said I never knew him and I cussed about it. I failed. And Jesus says, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter to meet me up at the Sea of Galilee. And as he's there at the Sea of Galilee, he made them breakfast. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he says to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, why three times? Isn't this a little bit redundant? Redundant. There is full restoration happening here in Peter's life. Three times I've denied you and three times I'm able to just affirm, you know that I love you, Lord. And three times healing and restoration and affirmation for ministry are given to him. Peter was grieved the third time because he said, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. The chief shepherd is giving a role to Peter, who would be one of those first leaders of the early church. Peter, there is a shepherding role, there is a tending role, there is a feeding role for you as a pastor, shepherd, elder. You know, in China, as you go over to China where Christianity, it's illegal to be a, a bold witness for Christ and to be pastors who would preach the gospel. In China, they don't call pastors pastors, but they call them shepherds. You can talk about a shepherd in public in China. Pastor, shepherd. In First Peter, Peter would say, Hey, all of the elders or all of the pastors who are among you, I want to exhort. I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ. I'm also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not by dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So there we have Peter, the one who'd been told, go shepherd, go feed, go tend. And now he is telling other pastors, here is your role. And here's how you're supposed to live it. And here's the reward. But let me tell you, you are under that chief shepherd. Be faithful to that chief shepherd. And so Peter would raise up leaders, church leaders, pastors and shepherds, shepherds that as Proverbs 27, 23 says, they were to be diligent to know the state of their flocks and to attend to their herds. This is a pastor's job. This is a shepherd's job that they would know the state of their church Know the state of their flocks. And so we have Acts 20. This is the last little verse here that I want to take you to regarding just God as the chief shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He appoints shepherds and qualified faithful men on earth to, to tend local bodies. And here we have in Acts 20, we have Paul the Apostle call for a specific group of pastors Or a specific group of shepherds who were in the town of Ephesus. And this specific group who were over a specific local church were to come and to meet. And it's there that Paul says to them, therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so we see that to have this role in your life is one that's given by the Holy Spirit. So that you could shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So the chief shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep, he's purchased the church, he's purchased the flock with his precious blood, he's purchased her, and now he's put qualified faithful men called under shepherds all throughout these different cities and different towns and different regions to shepherd and to pastor This precious flock for know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. And so the, the setting up there in the New Testament of local church leaders called pastors, they have the role of shepherding. They have the role of protecting from wolves and from false doctrine. They have the role of feeding the lambs, intending the lambs. <clears throat> they're not to do it as authoritative leaders that rule with a rod of iron, but they're to lay their lives down for the flock. Leading by example, Peter said. And as we look at the Psalms and as we look at the Old Testament and we see this strong emphasis on <clears throat> community and that there will be many people brought together to be a part of the flock, that is all so good and all so true today in our Psalm, in Psalm 23, the Lord wants to even bring it a little bit narrow, bring it in a little closer to home and he wants to speak to you as individuals today. As David says, the Lord is my shepherd in this psalm. In this psalm, he doesn't say the Lord is our shepherd. He says right here, right here, Lord, you are my shepherd. Spurgeon said that before a man can truly say the Lord is my shepherd, he must first feel himself to be a sheep by nature. For he cannot know that God is his shepherd unless he feels in himself himself that he has the nature of a sheep. He must relate as a sheep in his foolishness, in a sheep's dependency, and in a sheep's warped nature of his will. And so for you to fully get what the Lord would communicate to you today, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to realize, man, I am a sheep. If he's my shepherd, then I'm a sheep. I've got to humble myself and kind of take on that mind of humility as a sheep. And if he's my shepherd and I'm a sheep, and he's even seen fit to raise up other men around me to help lead me and tend me and feed me and protect me, that's in his sovereign shepherd design. Man, I've got to humble myself as a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I am the sheep. And I shall not want. I shall not lack. Because he's my shepherd, I will be fed. I trust him for that. I will be nourished. I will be tended. I will be comforted. I will be protected. God will raise up godly men called pastors, elders, overseers, bishops, shepherds to help tend me. And keep me strong and healthy. I will not lack. Psalm 34, 9 and 10 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. There's no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. As a sheep, I will not lack any good thing. The the lions, they're going to lack and suffer. Those that won't humble themselves before the Lord as shepherd, they're going to suffer. They're going to want. But I as a sheep will not lack any good thing. That you were wondering if we'd ever get there. Well, we are. Moving on to verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. If you got a pen with you, you might under, underline that he makes me lie down. He makes it happen. Phil, Philip Keller wrote a book that you've probably even read, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And he writes that sheep do not lie down easily and will not until at least four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. The Lord as our shepherd, he makes us lie down. He as the overseer of our souls causes these things to come to peaceful times so that we will lie down and rest in him. David Platt writes, your shepherd's provision is based on his grace, not your ability. He makes me lie down. That is his grace, his care. He is doing all of it. He is doing the work here. And he causes me to lie down in green pastures. Last night, you might have seen it on Facebook, I posted a picture of my family took a prayer walk out our backyard and up into these beautiful rim rocks overlooking Prineville. It overlooks a beautiful wetland area behind our house and Adam's cows down in there and just a beautiful area. And I read this psalm to my kids. Actually, Russell read it. We prayed over the psalm. We talked about the psalm. I said, look out there, kids. Is there anywhere here where you could just see you being a little sheep and just lying down in green pastures? Oh, over there, see that tall grass over there oh it it, it looks so cozy if I was just a little cotton ball sheep I would just lay down there and rest it was so much fun uh, reading through the scripture with my kids and discussing it with them but he leads us to these and makes us lie down in these pastures of tender grass and perhaps this is one of the most moving poignant peaceful parts of the whole song emphasizing the serenity and the tranquility that the shepherd offers. As that Ezekiel passage said, as we read earlier, I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And here we see that that role of the pastor and of the teacher and of Peter, as he was told, They are to feed the sheep. And the scripture tells us that we feed the sheep as pastors by teaching the sheep the full counsel of the word of God. Not with just the milk of the word, but with the meat of the word. As as the writer of Hebrews would correct the Hebrews because they had been so immature, only drinking milk and it was time to move beyond the elementary principles of the faith. They were to move on and to learn and understand all that Jesus had for them in the whole of his word. Not only does he lead us and make us to lie down in tender green grass, but he leads us beside still waters, still Waters, waters of rest. These are a, uh, just a wonderful symbol in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. Not only do pastors feed the word of God to their sheep, but the Lord also brings the power and the refreshment to quench our thirst through the Holy Spirit's work. Remember that Revelation seven seventeen passage that we read? The lamb who's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. And he will lead them to living fountains of water. So the psalm says, still waters. And That is so true. Don't we just need sometimes to just go and just be refreshed and to drink deeply and the waters are still? And maybe that's just a word for you today. The Lord wants to bring you to a place of just rest by the still waters. But the shepherd's role in Revelation 7 is that he also leads to what literally means the fountains of the waters of life. And as we studied in our core groups just a couple weeks ago, John seven thirty seven, Jesus stood up one time at a feast. It was on the great day of the feast, the last day of the feast. Jesus stood up and this shepherd of ours says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so not only does Jesus lead us and make us lie down in in the food and in the feast of the tender grass and cause us to rest upon his word, but he also brings The quench for our thirst. The the torrents of living water that flow out of our heart when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of a Christian. You remember when Jesus said something similar in John 4, 7, when he was talking to the woman at the well. A woman of Samaria came down to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples went away into the city to buy food, and the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says, Do you give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would give you living water. And if you jump down to verse 13, Jesus says to her, Whoever drinks of this water in the well will thirst again. But Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw so as we are in our psalm and we just see this beautiful picture of the lush green pasture with a shepherd among the sheep and he's making us lie down i'm taking care of your food i'm taking care of the flies i'm taking care of you know all the different problems in your life just rest but i'm not I also want to give you your drink. I also want to give you, and it's almost like when you know the whole of scripture, those sheep, they drink of the still waters and then they're shooting out water. I mean, it's just crazy pictures when you look at the whole of scripture. Jesus doesn't only want to quench your thirst, friends. He wants to have just a torrent of living waters from the Holy Spirit of God in your life and upon your life, bubbling up out of you, flowing out of you. That Thursday, a couple weeks ago, when we were in John 7, talking about torrents of living water, my core group, we were in my kitchen. I went and got my guitar, and we just were singing about living water. Just four guys in my kitchen, at like six in the morning, we're just singing out living water. Pour out on us. Give us power, Lord. Give us just more of the Spirit. We want more of you, God, as we just sang. And that day, we had um, Christy over to our house. We were having lunch with her, watching a storm roll in on our deck. And as the storm came in, started sprinkling, started sprinkling. And we're like, okay, it's time to go inside. And then you guys know what happened, right? Boom, the water fell down out of the heavens. And we had like one of the first flash floods in Prineville that I have like ever seen and our neighbors just built a house and redirected a natural flow of a creek and as it came down the hill it went into our property and washed like a ton of gravel that I just laid washed it down the hill washed my flower beds down washed like a whole part of our properties like down the hill down in that lush green pasture now and guys are texting in my core group, praise God, more torrents of living water. Let this be a picture of what God is doing today as we've cried out for more and more of living. I have a video of just a river next to my house that just showed up. One, one Sunday we were here and we were worshiping at this church and we were singing uh, rain down rain down holy spirit rain down and it began to rain and pour out and we had a leak in our roof and the lights right above the sound uh, they started gushing water out of them and guys are running back there with buckets and i didn't know what was going on i was in the preaching zone i'm like what is a garbage can doing being held up you know and we we asked for it rain down god he rained down and you know what i believe that that is a picture of what god is doing in this church he is raining down his spirit he's bringing sheep and even today some of you you today you weren't a sheep today maybe even you were a wolf and today the lord is calling you as the sheep as the shepherd he's calling you to come and be part of the flock and he wants to feed you truth from the lush green grass of the word of god and he wants to let you drink of the well of jesus and if you would drink of him today you'll never thirst again you'll be a sheep that never thirsts again you'll be a sheep that not only doesn't thirst but you've got a well shooting out of your life your cotton ball wool is just saturated as your you know and that's what god wants to do in you today perhaps he's just brought you for such a time as this to psalm 23, for such a a work of the Spirit in your life that you would just never thirst again. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. You know, it's incredible. Restore my soul. As you look at the literal definition, it means He brings back my soul. Or in the Hebrew, He brings me to repentance. And I think that's just a word for somebody here today that you've been walking in stubbornness against the will of God. You know what the Lord says about himself. You know enough about the Bible to know that you have been walking in the wrong. And I don't even know how that is, but you know, and the Lord's telling you right now, been walking in rebellion to me. And I brought you here today just as a shepherd calling you and I want to bring back your soul. I want to I want to Curve the route that you're taking. And I want to lead you this way. I want to grant repentance, the New Testament says. Did you know it's the chief shepherd that grants repentance? You have a role in your life today to repent. My prayer for you right now is that God would show you I'm right here. I want to grant you repentance. You would turn from a rebellion. You would turn from being a wolf. And I'm calling you In Oregon, come. Come be a part of my flock. Come be a part of my fold. Matthew 18 says that the heart of a shepherd is that the shepherd would leave the 99 sheep and go after the one who has wandered. The one who has strayed. And maybe you're that one today. God in his sovereign chief shepherd role has brought you here to bring you back to the flock. You know, when a sheep would repeatedly run away, a shepherd in the Middle East would break the sheep's leg and then carry the sheep around its neck. And while the leg was healing, the shepherd and the sheep would form a close bond so that when the sheep was set down again, he would be the closest to the shepherd he'd ever been. Just a relationship in form. And you know what? My heart today, I just feel it's a word from the Lord that today you can hear the voice of the shepherd and you could turn today if you hear his voice. He wants to restore your soul and bring about repentance. And he wants to make you lie down in green grass today. But if you're going to be a stubborn sheep and no, I'm just going to keep running away. The Lord, man, if he wants you, he's going to get you. And he may break your leg. And Jesus says, you know what? It is far better to just fall on the rock and be broken. Just come to Jesus in brokenness and fall before him. Or the other option is that the rock can fall on you and grind you to powder. My pastor, Rob, some of you got to meet him last week in Corvallis. He was a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, And he had one kid that all throughout the high school years would just always be wandering and always be straying. And at graduation, Rob went up to this kid at graduation and he says, you know what? Because you keep wandering, because you keep straying, the Lord is going to crush you. I just feel that's a word from God that he's going to crush you. He's going to break you. He's going to break your body down. He's going to bring you to absolutely nothing so that you'll come to him. And the kid kind of said, ah, whatever, you know, and kind of went off. And it was just a couple years later where this young man went off living for the cares of this world and the lusts of the flesh and just living in sin, straying and wandering from the Lord. And one day this man, he was a young man, drove his car while he was drunk and drove off of a coastal cliff, rolled out of the car, was thrown out of the car, the car rolled upon him, broke every bone in his body. Something caught a hold of his clothes and ripped his clothes off of his body. He's laying at the bottom of this huge cliff in absolutely broken nakedness, as was the prophecy over him. And it was there that he's waiting for the medical team to arrive and to get him, that he remembered that word, that this is what I have to do to get you. I'm going to do this to break you. And now this man is walking with the Lord. That, is, that was the brokenness that was needed. The shepherd put him over his shoulders. Okay, now, now we're going to walk together and I'm going to teach you. And I hope that's not what the Lord has to do to you today. I hope you don't have to go through that. I don't want any words of prophecy over you today. The car accident, you're going to crunch, 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 you're gonna get naked. And then everyone's going to see you and you're naked. I don't want that for you. But I hope you would just hear his voice today saying, I want to be your shepherd. And I want you to be my lamb. And I'm pursuing you, and I'm going to get you out of that cliff. I'm going to bring you, but don't go back. I don't want to break your leg, but I will. It says that he leads me in the firm paths of righteousness for his namesake. The sheep aren't driven like cattle. Yeah, get down those paths of righteousness. Little Jim Craig. You know? But they're led as sheep. God has brought leaders in your life to lead. And that is our heart as pastors. We never want to call you as a church to do something. God wants you guys to do this. He wants you to give this of your life. And he wants you to go there. And it's always been a life lesson for me that the sheep will never go where the shepherd doesn't go. And our own personal walks with the Lord. If if the elders of this church aren't having deep personal intimacy with the Lord Jesus, how can we ever expect you to? We've learned from Jesus' example that shepherds are leaders, leading by example. And the chief shepherd leads us down paths of righteousness. On Wednesday night, we read from Isaiah here, where it says he causes his people to walk on the highway of holiness. I like that. We talked about that a little. Made some jokes about the highway to heaven and all that with Michael Landon and all that good stuff. But the highway of holiness, that's the path that the Lord wants to lead you down now. No longer living for the cares of this world and for the lusts of the flesh, but he wants to lead you on paths of righteousness, the highway of holiness. Let's go ahead and look at uh, the end of this verse. It says that it's for his name's sake that he does this. Why does the Lord call us? Why does the Lord save us? Why does the Lord set us upon paths of righteousness and feed us tender grass and cause us to drink waters? Why? The chief purpose of it all is it's for his name's sake. And this is encouraging. This is awesome for us because it shows us that God is as committed to us being saved and fed and nourished and healthy as he is for his own fame and his own glory. And he will do all of this for the glory of God. Let's look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. No doubt we see why this verse is so precious to the soldier in the foxhole or the, the patient in the cancer ward or the weary traveler as they pass through Burns, Oregon driving through the valley of the shadow of death. Four times in Job, in the book of Job, when we see Job just brought to the depths of despair, he writes about the deep shadow of death. And literally it means the ring around the eyes as you're approaching death. That was a place and you read the book of Job, Job was just brought to the end of himself. And yet when he lost everything and was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he was still able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Spurgeon says, death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Someone has said that when we're there in a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel and the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. It's how encouraging as we, and maybe you today, are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't need to be afraid. Notice you're walking through it. You're not going to stay there forever. And why aren't we afraid? And why do we fear no evil? Because you are with me. And you'll notice in your Bible that this is where it goes from being uh, about, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And it becomes very personal You, you are with me. You're with me. The Lord is always before me. He's at my right hand. He, I shall not be moved. It says there, and as you're with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod speaks of a a balancing rod or a rod of correction. And of course, as you guys know, the pictures of the shepherd with his little, I don't know what you call it, candy cane, you know. His staff, you know that, that that staff is used to you know tap, tap the animal on this side and you can move him over here and kind of move him over here, move him over here. And then there's the, the, the hook on the end that grabs it around the neck and brings it back. There's purpose behind the rod and sometimes it's a rod of correction. Sometimes it's a rod of leading. But all of those things just show the tender love and care of the shepherd for the sheep. There's times that sheep need to be spanked. There's times that they need to be guided. There's times they need to be rescued. And knowing that he has his rod and his staff there in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, it is a very comforting, comforting thing. And then in the Greek, or excuse me, in the Hebrew, this comfort from the rod brings grief for my sin and causes me to repent, is what the literal translation is. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And here we see a new picture of the shepherd. He's also a host preparing a banquet. This table that he prepares, it's a picture of intimacy and hospitality and rest It shows the enemy who's watching that we're not afraid. We're not just going to eat a sea ration in the midst of the battle and having enemies, and I'm just going to eat some saltine crackers here. No, there is a table, there is a spread. We're able to lounge and feast and enjoy, and the enemy watches on, and it shows to them that we are well taken care of and that victory is on the way. It causes fear into the heart of the enemy. Our shepherd satisfies us, and he also anoints our head with oil. A good shepherd would pour oil on the sheep's heads so that they wouldn't headbutt and fight one another. He would pour a healing oil out on open sores and upon wounds. And as we read this psalm today, we enter into a banquet hall. And just as an ancient host would come and honor a guest by anointing them with oil, we are welcomed in today by the Lord on high to the feast of the bread of the King of Kings. And he anoints us with oil. And just as the still waters is just a picture of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, so too is oil a picture of the Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit just poured out upon us for power and for life. My cup runs over. God doesn't just provide for my cup, but he overflows my cup. Verse six and our final verse today. And Johnny, you can come on up and the rest of the worship team as well. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is confidence here. Surely if I have the Lord as my shepherd, man, I am not going to want. I am going to be fed. I'm going to have my thirst quenched. I'm going to have power in my life. I don't need to be afraid. I've got the Lord there. He's faithful to correct. He's faithful to pursue me. He's faithful to bring me back into the fold. He leads me down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's going to teach me about holiness in my life. And I'm going to walk that highway of holiness He's my shepherd. I'm not going to lack anything. And if that's the case, then surely, surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all that is in my life. These goodness and mercy have been called angels. We've got the shepherd leading us and we have these angels, guardian angels at my back and at my back. The Lord won't let us be alone. We'll have the goodness of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord at our back. And what a way to end it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 27 says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And the, the beautiful end to this psalm just shows that a heart of a sheep, <clears throat> a heart of a sheep that is following his shepherd that's been brought so near and dear to his shepherd's heart, that's been rescued, that's been tended, that's been fed, that's been nourished, that's been protected, that's been pursued, that's been taught, and that's been led. And the heart of a sheep is just to be with the shepherd. I just want to dwell in the house of my shepherd Forever and ever and ever. And we can go ahead and set our Bibles aside. And we're going to prepare for communion together. And as we do, man, I just believe, and it's just heavy on my heart today. And it was actually a prayer of our family last night that the Lord would just bring new people in today. He would bring people in that at the beginning of the day, they were outside the fold, they were outside the flock. They were not sheep, they were wolves. They were animals that the the shepherd would have to beat off and get out, get out of here, shoo. But today the shepherd would say, come in, come in. I want to bring you into this fold. I want to bring you into the flock and I want to be your personal shepherd. I want you to be my sheep. I want to restore your soul today I want to make you lie down today I want to cause you to drink today and I would just just speak for the Lord today just saying won't you hear him today won't you hear the voice of the shepherd won't you drink won't you cry out as the woman did at the well then Lord give me this water that I may drink also won't you respond to him today you know as we come to the table of the Lord as Jesus truly did prepare us a table the Lord's supper We can partake of it today in the presence of the enemies. In the presence of the wicked ones. In the spiritual hosts of darkness. And in the enemies that are even of our own uh, fellow man. We can partake of the table of the Lord today. And he's prepared this table for you. He wants you to come and to remember what he did as As the lamb, who's also a shepherd, has laid down his life. The lamb has spilled his blood as a perfect sacrifice. He was the sacrifice that your sins could be paid for, that you could be forgiven. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, has laid his life down for his sheep. He has purchased you and bought you with his precious blood. And today, if you would hear his voice, won't you come in? Receive what he has done. Receive what he has paid for. And just come in today to the house of the Lord. Dwell in his house right now today. Just enjoy being part of the flock. Enjoy having him as your shepherd. That's what we're going to do today as we move to communion. We're going to take the bread, which is a picture of Jesus' body being hung upon the cross, being whipped with the Roman whip, being pierced with the Roman nails. And we are going to chew upon it, and we are going to remember when Jesus' body was crushed for our sins. And we're going to take the cup, which is a symbol of his blood. blood that is providing atonement for our sins that our sins could be washed away and we'll drink of that cup and remember the chief shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep if that's you today and you believe that the lord has called you here for such a day as this won't you come partake of communion with us take the elements back to your seat Think about Jesus. Think about the chief shepherd. Think of how he's laid his life down to save you and to bring him into the fold. And we'll worship the Lord together. Come forward as you're ready.